instrument, let alone any instrument that I pick up. Uh, but she's so talented. She's, she just plays about everything. Isn't your life goal to play every instrument? Okay. She doesn't like when I uh, brag on her. So. Um, we live in a world that emphasizes drive and does not value rest. We live in a world that is about accomplishment and doesn't care so much about well-being. Right? That what we want to see is people who succeed and we don't worry about the cost. And there is a cost to our soul when all we focus on is success and achievement and accomplishment. And I think our culture is just now beginning to realize that there's a price to pay if you're driven all the time and you're just constantly trying to achieve and accomplish. There's a mental health cost. And I'm glad we're starting to have some of that discussion. And if we look at the life of Jesus, we realize that this wasn't the life that he practiced, a life that's so driven and so about accomplishment and achievement that he ruins his soul. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the spiritual exercises or the spiritual disciplines that we need to practice to build our spiritual muscles. Jesus says things like, love your enemy. Don't be anxious about anything. Find joy in even the worst circumstances. And sometimes I read those things and I'm like, that sounds good. I'd like to be able to do that, but I can't. No matter how hard I try or how much I strive for it or want it, I just can't do it because I haven't developed my spiritual muscles, right? I use the example of it would be like me trying to lift 200 pounds. I just couldn't do it unless I worked out my muscles to build up my muscles, right? We need to work out our spiritual muscles to build up our spiritual muscles to live and love like Jesus. We need to develop the spiritual muscles in our lives by practicing the disciplines that Jesus practiced. And just like our physical muscles get healthy through exercise, our spiritual muscles get healthy as we exercise them. And so we've been looking at how did Jesus live in love and how can we follow in his practices and build up our spiritual muscles to live and love like Jesus did. And we talked about in our first week the importance of silence and solitude. We live in a noisy, busy, loud world that constantly something's distracting us, and our soul needs moments where we sit alone in silence and solitude, and we actually listen to what our soul is saying, and we actually have quiet to speak to God. And then last week we talked about self-denial and serving, and how when we don't get what we want, but we give to someone else, or we sacrifice our time to serve someone else, it builds our spiritual muscles. And today we're looking at our third spiritual discipline, the principle of Sabbath. Now, not the band Black Sabbath, but the principle of Sabbath. We've talked about Nirvana and Black Sabbath today. This is an interesting Sunday. To see the beauty in the world around you and the goodness that God showers into your life every day. That's the principle of Sabbath. Stopping to pause and see what's good in your life. Sabbath changes your perspective from what needs to, what you need to do and changes your perspective to what God has already done. Me, I'm constantly thinking, what's next? What do I got to do next? What do I got to do after this? My brain, even when I'm up here sometimes, I'm thinking, oh, after this, I have to accomplish this, and I got to get this done before Monday, and I have to have this done before Wednesday, and I have to do. And if you never stop and pause and appreciate the good you have and what God has done in your life, you're constantly thinking about what you have to do next, and it spiritually weakens your soul. And so we're going to look at this passage here in Mark chapter 2, 
where Jesus talks about the Sabbath, he actually talked about the Sabbath a lot. And uh, it was actually a big tension point between him and the religious leaders of his day. We'll talk about that a little bit. But in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23, it says this. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain as they went. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why, what you are doing, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he told them this, The Sabbath was made for men. Men were not made for the Sabbath. And so then the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So, what in the world is going on in this passage? What is the Sabbath? Well, when God created the world, he created time. He could have just created everything in a moment, but he, he made things in pieces so that things would be structured, so that things would be orderly, so there would be a rhythm of work and rest and reflection. In Genesis chapter 2, we have this first picture of the Sabbath principle. It says in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, On the seventh day, God had completed all his work of creation, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. And so all throughout God's creation story, as we see in Genesis, God will make day and he'll make night and he'll say, it's good. And then he'll make man, and he'll make animals, and he'll say, it's good. And he'll make water, and seasons, and light, and he'll say, it's good. And then at the end, he stops, and he reflects on it, and he says, it's good to stop and rest and reflect. God didn't rest from creating because he was tired. He rested because he was done. He sat back and reflected on everything that he had done. And he built this principle into our world, that we need to stop and rest and reflect that it's a good thing to stop and rest and reflect. And we see this rhythm in our everyday lives, right? We wake up, and then we reach a certain point where no matter how much caffeine you drink, you reach a breaking point, and you have to stop and rest. But we also need times where we choose to stop and rest and reflect. Humans were never designed to be constantly working, constantly achieving, constantly striving. We were designed to constantly be worshiping. Not constantly working, but constantly worshiping. And we should worship in our work and in our rest. And what Sabbath is, is stopping to rest and reflect. And in doing so, we worship the God who allows us to rest and reflect. We worship the God who has done so much and accomplished so much through us and around us. So when God established the Jewish people to be the special platform for a special person, Jesus, to restore his presence to humanity, he said, part of what's going to make you special is you're only going to work six days and you're going to rest the seventh day and it's going to be this special day called the Sabbath. And so for the Jewish people, from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, they were instructed to not do any work. They were to prepare food the day before so that they, uh, they wouldn't be busy preparing food. It was supposed to be a day to eat, worship, to rest, and to spend time with family and friends. It was a day to reflect on everything that they had seen God do in the last six days. They were forced to stop. It was, actually, it was part of their whole nation. The whole nation ground to a 
stop on the Sabbath so the whole nation could stop and say, what have we seen God do in the last six days? And today, I run so fast and so furious, and I'm involved in so many different things and running so many different directions, it's very rare that I ever stop and say, what did God do in the last month, in the last week, in the last day? I just never stop. I'm constantly on to the next thing. And our souls need that stop. Our souls need a time to stop and reflect and rest. The human psyche needs days where we appreciate what we have and we're not focused on what we don't have. Where we thank God for what we have and we're not constantly like, but I don't have this. If we don't take days to reflect and rest and thank God for what we have, we'll be obsessed with days, we'll be obsessed with the things that we don't have. That will fill our days, constantly thinking about what we don't have yet. Now, the Sabbath principle wasn't just in their calendar weeks for the Jewish people. So every seven days they would stop and reflect. Every seven years, stuff would happen too. So at the end of seven years, they would rotate out fields. If they had planted a field, they're like, we're not going to use that. that. This is going to be a year of rest for that field. They would even let their fields rest. In fact, every seven, seven years, in the 49th year, they would release any slaves that they had taken in every seven years. And every 49 years, they would restore any property that they had bought. So if I bought property from Justin, and he's like, it's been in the Spadafore family for generations. Well, in the 49th year, I might have used that field for 49 years, but now I give it back to you. Because at the 49th year, everything goes back to how it was. Everything is restored. And so this was structured into every part of their society and their life. Now, in the New Testament, we're not commanded to keep the Sabbath day as a law like the Jewish people were. It was a part of their society. But we are encouraged to keep the Sabbath principle, which is resting and reflecting. It doesn't have to be sundown from Friday to sundown on Saturday like the Jewish people practice. But it needs to be a practice in our life where we take days to rest and reflect. Now, the religious leaders in Jesus' day had a big tension point with him about the Sabbath because they were obsessed with rules. And they took something that God meant to be a blessing, and they turned it into a burden. And religious people still do that today, right? God says something that's supposed to help us, supposed to encourage us, supposed to be a blessing, and religious people are like, how can I control people? And that's exactly what they tried to do. They made it so extreme when they talked about the Sabbath that they would punish you if you plucked a gray hair on the Sabbath. Have you ever been, you know, grooming in the mirror and you're like, gray hair? I'll just pull that one out so that I keep the, uh, keep the other hairs that are the right color. If the Jewish religious leaders saw you do that, they said, you're harvesting on the Sabbath. How dare you? It's against the law to work on the Sabbath and you're harvesting on the Sabbath. God never said that, but they've added laws onto what God said because they were so obsessed with this. And so Jesus here is walking through a grain field, and he brings up this point of Sabbath because they start feeling like their rules are being infringed on. But they completely miss the point because God cares about people, not about rules. He gives rules to help people, not harm them. God's rules are always about deepening his relationship with us. Man's rules are always about, how can I control my fellow man? Now, when I was a kid, my family wasn't from a church background, and so my mom started going to church, and then my sister and I started going with her, and eventually 
and my dad started going, and they, they just started working through, like, who is Jesus, and we didn't know anything about church or what to expect. And so I remember my parents were like, we're going to take the pastor out to lunch, and we can ask him some of our questions. And so they had called during the week and said, after church on Sunday, we're going to take you out to lunch. And so the pastor got up that Sunday, and he preached a sermon um, on Sabbath. And he said, keep the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. You should not work. You should not go out to eat and all this stuff. And so my parents were real nervous. They didn't know anything about church. They went up to him afterwards, and they were like, so are we going out to eat? Or is this bad? Like, are you not supposed to go out to eat? And uh, what we found out was Sunday is not Sabbath. You'll hear people say this sometimes, right? Like, Sunday equals the Sabbath. No, no. Sabbath is from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's the Jewish day. We still keep the principle of Sabbath, but Sunday in the New Testament is the Lord's Day. We started worshiping on this day because Jesus rose from the dead on this day. We don't worship on the Sabbath anymore. We can practice the principle of Sabbath on Sunday. But if we're honest, most people don't practice Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, in Tennessee, the church I was at, on Sunday, I was there for the morning service at 8.30. I'd have Sunday school after that. Then I'd be there for the second service. Then I'd be back there for a deacon's meeting, uh, usually around 3. Then I'd be back for choir practice at 4. Then I'd be back for the evening service at 5. And sometimes there was a meeting after the service. That was not a day of rest and reflection for me. That was a day of busyness and tiredness and exhaustion. And so we don't have to practice Sabbath on Sunday, but the principle of Sabbath can be practiced on any day. Regardless of what day you practice it on, people need Sabbath. Sabbath was a gift from God to humanity because our souls need to rest and reflect. Your spiritual muscles develop as you rest and reflect. It's about stopping to enjoy everything that's good in your life. And when I don't take those moments to stop and enjoy what is right in my life, constantly focused on what is wrong in my life. Now, Sabbath is not wallowing, but worshiping. Have you ever had this where you have a really bad day? Maybe you have a breakup. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe something really bad happens, and you're like, I'm just going to watch Dirty Dancing and eat a whole tub of ice cream. Yeah, some people, some people are with me. And you're like, that's how I wallow, right? That's how I get through this thing, because it's so painful, <laughs> and it's so bad. And we're like, so what you're saying, Alex, is I need more of those things. Right? That's Sabbath. No, no, Sabbath is healthy rest, not unhealthy rest. Have you ever had unhealthy rest, like where you sit on the couch all day and you watch Netflix? Do you feel more rested afterwards or less rested? After I sit on the couch all day and uh, watch Netflix and eat <laughs> pizza or something, I get up and I feel gross. You know, you feel bloated and sluggish. You feel bad. Sabbath is about doing things that are healthy rest. There is a lazy rest, a selfish rest, and then there is a worshipful rest, a healthy rest. Rest that leaves you more tired is not rest. It's running. We're trying to avoid our problems. Rest will always make you more energized to face what you're going through. It's not wallowing, it's worshiping. Now, for Christmas, my family got me a hammock, and I was real excited about this. My mom and dad bought me a hammock. And uh, do we have any hammock people out here? Nobody's a hammock person. Oh, kind of hammock people? We should hammock together sometimes. <laughs> so, um, the thing is about a hammock, when I went out to try this out, 
I was like, sweet, I'll just put this up between two trees and I'll be good to go. You know, you stretch it out, you put it hanging on two trees. Well, I'm a heavy guy. So I put it up on these two trees and I'll just kind of like, you know, jump back into it, instantly go to the ground, you know, because the trees weren't strong enough to hold me up. And if you try to take a Sabbath that is put up by two selfish or destructive things, that's not going to be a healthy Sabbath. Your, your Sabbath has to be held up by worship and beauty. It has to be held up by an appreciation for everything that God has done, an appreciation for everything that's good and beautiful and enjoyable in your life. There, we're surrounded by good things in our lives, but we so often focus on the bad things in our lives. You know, I can taste food, and it's delicious. Could you imagine if all food tasted bad? Like, I never thank God. You know what? Thank God for taste buds. I've never said that, but I should. You know, I can look out, and it's a beautiful day, but instead I focus on something that's not going well. Sabbath is about eating fresh, healthy, delicious food that doesn't make you feel gross. It's about getting outside and going for a walk. It's about not checking your email or your notifications. You need a day where you turn the notifications off on your phone and you look away from screens. It's about reading and napping and having conversations with friends and family. It's about thinking and thanking God for all the good things in your life and embracing them and enjoying them. It's about art and beauty. It's about music. It's about what brings life into my life. I need a day to stop and enjoy those things. Not a day to run from my problems, but a day where I can worship a God who's put so much good into this world and enjoy the things that are good. Now, confession time. I'm horrible at Sabbath. I'm probably the worst person to come up here and talk to you about Sabbath because I'm horrible at it. I'm like, why am I sitting here? I could get something done right now. Like, I have stuff that needs to get done. I'm always thinking about what needs to get done tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. And when I stop, I feel like I'm just avoiding what I need to do. And I can't stop until I get everything done. The only problem is, there's always more to do. And so then I just never stop, because I have another thing to do after that, and another thing to do after that. But real healthy Sabbath isn't running from your problems. It's resting so that you can face your problems with new, renewed strength and energy and hope. If you run from your problems, you won't rest, you will stress. But if you never rest, you will burn out. And we have an entire nation of achievers and driven people who never rest and they burn out. And every year, I've lived here four years now, uh, in, in Bryn Mawr there's a train line and every year there's young people from one of these prestigious schools around who jump in front of a train because they can't handle the stress and the pressure of achievement and success, and they get a bad grade, or they flunk out of a class, and they fail a semester, and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't go on, because we've driven ourselves, and we never stop to rest and reflect on all that God has done. In Exodus 20, 8-9, when Moses is outlining the, the laws for what it's going to look like for the Jewish people, what's going to make them special as a special platform for Jesus to arrive it says in Exodus 20, 8 and 9, Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Keep it set apart. Don't let anything overshadow it. Six days you will labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. On it you shall not do any work. You will not work. Your son will not work. Your daughter will not work. Your male servants will not work. Your female servants will not work. I love he doesn't leave any loopholes because he knew like, 
oh, I can't work? I bet I can make my son work today, you know, or make my daughter work, or, you know. And then he says, don't even make your animals work. And do not make the stranger or the foreigner who is living with you work. Keep it holy. Keep it set apart. Don't let anything overshadow it. Don't let anything push it out of your schedule. Have set periods where you turn your phone off and you rest and you reflect on all that is right in your life. You have six days to work on everything that's wrong in your life. Have one day where you sit and reflect on everything that's right in your life. Take one day to thank God for everything that he's done and is doing. If you don't do that, your spiritual muscles will be weak and underdeveloped. And when Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything, we'll be like, I want that. I want to not be anxious, but I can't do it. Because we haven't practiced the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. Now, Darby does this thing where we'll go out to eat, and uh, we'll be sitting there talking, and my phone will go, ding! And so I look down, and I start answering that text message, and then I'm like, oh, I also have an email, so I'll take care of this email real fast. And then it's like, ding, and I get another text message, so, so I work on that and respond to that real fast. And then I'm like, oh, got another email. And then she's like, she waits. She's very patient. And uh, she'll just stare at me. And then I never notice that, so I just keep working away. And then she'll say, who's more important than me? Oh, man, that's a, that's a knife cut right there, isn't it? And I'm like, nobody's more important than you. And I'm like, just finish up the email real quick. She's about to shut this down, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And she says, who are you writing right now that's more important than spending time with me? And I think for a lot of us, we find an excuse. We find an excuse to not take Sabbath. We find something that we think is more important than stopping to rest and reflect. We need to set a Sabbath day and keep it. We need to have a weekly moment where we stop we check out so that we can check in with God. And we can say, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the, all that is right in my life. There's a lot that's not right, but that's what the other six days are for. This day is for me to reflect on everything that's right. And we're trusting that if we take a day off, God can do more than we can if we try to work and do more and achieve more during that day. We're trusting that we're not the necessary piece to make stuff happen, God's the necessary piece. And trust me, I've had lots of days and lots of weeks and lots of months where I don't take a Sabbath and I just keep working hard and trying harder and working more and it doesn't accomplish more. But when we stop and rest and reflect, we trust that he can accomplish more than we can. Sabbath reminds us that God is in control and that he settles our anxious souls. We don't have to constantly be busy, constantly doing things, constantly making it happen because he's in control and we're not. The world has not yet once stopped spinning when you fell asleep. When I was a kid, I was always scared to fall asleep. I was like, what if something happens to my family when I'm asleep and I'm not there to take care of it? I'm a kid. What am I going to do? You know, someone breaks in and I'm going to be like, I'm here. I'm eight years old. Get out. You know, but I thought like I constantly had to be there and make sure everything was okay and going all right. And sleep forces us to realize, hey, the world keeps spinning when you're not there. It's okay to rest and reflect. Take some time to thank God. Now, in this story, I said we were going to get back to what's going on here. Jesus is walking with his disciples through the fields and they're taking grain and eat snacking on it as they go through. And you're like, Jesus, disciples were thieves. 
what is happening. No, actually, the Jewish law allowed for it. If you were walking through an orchard or you were walking through a field, you could take a handful of whatever you wanted. That's just – that was their law. So it, you weren't allowed to use a implement to cut it down so you couldn't harvest it. And you weren't allowed to bring a bushel, like a bin, and like collect fruit in it. But if you were walking through and you saw an apple tree, it was legal for you to take an apple and eat it if you were hungry. What a great system. I love it. Um, so they weren't stealing here. The issue was the religious leaders said, you're harvesting crops on the Sabbath, which is work. They're like, we're out for a stroll. We're hanging with friends, hanging with Jesus, being with people who give us life. And we're walking through and we're eating a snack as we go. And they're like harvesting on the Sabbath. Obviously, they weren't harvesting. It wasn't even their field. They were just eating a snack. But they had built up all these restrictive laws and had reinterpreted the rules to be overly harsh. And they saw this as a violation of the Sabbath. And that's when Jesus makes this profound statement. At the end of the passage, he says, I am Lord even of the Sabbath. Essentially, Jesus said, I'm bigger than the Sabbath. You respect the rules so much, I'm bigger than the rules. I wrote the rules. Jesus is claiming to be God. Jesus not only wrote the rules, he rewrote the rules so that we could live and love so that we could live in the presence of God's love forever. I love in another passage, Jesus says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, to punish people, to crush them. I came into the world to rescue people. Do you need Jesus to rescue your life? It says that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, but he can also be Lord of your life and Lord of my life. He's promised not to reject anyone who cries out to him and says, save me, rescue me. I need you Jesus. He's promised to give us the Holy Spirit, his own supernatural power to allow us to build our spiritual muscles so that we can live and love like he did. Now with each of our spiritual disciplines, these, this spiritual workout, we've talked about what does that look like in our everyday life? Spiritual disciplines, remember, are committed to individually, but enjoyed in community. We, we say, hey, I'm going to do this, but it's more fun if I do this with people. And it's also something like you could say, okay, I'm going to practice Sabbath once a year. And that's like saying I'm going to jog once a year. It's not going to change how healthy you are, right? These need to be weekly practices we build into our lives. So what does it look like as an individual? Set a day. Maybe you say, you know what, Alex, I can't take a whole day. Take a half day each week where you turn off your phone. You don't check your email. You turn off your notifications. You turn off your screens. Where you don't work, instead you nap, you eat clean, healthy food, you get outside, you spend time with people who put life into your life instead of pull life out of it. You go for a walk, you rest, you rejoice, you thank God for everything that's good and right and wonderful in your life. And in community, that might look like you gather friends who say, hey, we're going to take Sabbath on the same day that you are, we're going to spend that same half day section and we're going to spend life together eating together and laughing together and playing games and getting outside and enjoying good food together. Our lives sometimes seem so dark because we've not taken a moment to recognize how much good is actually in them. When I don't stop to rest and reflect, all I see is the darkness. So when I stop to rest and reflect, all of a sudden I realize I have so much good in my life. We need 
Lord Jesus, thank you for the principle of Sabbath. Thank you for being Lord of the Sabbath. That it's not something that controls us or something that is restrictive on us, but instead it's a blessing that you've intended to make our lives better by helping us realize how much we have and how much you've done. God, forgive me for being so driven for wanting to accomplish so much and thinking that I can do it. God, I am sorry for not taking Sabbath. And Lord, I pray that you will help me to take better rest, to take moments where I enjoy the moment and reflect on everything that you've done instead of thinking about what I have to do next. God, I pray for the people in here that you will bring them peace and joy when they stop to rest Lord, I pray that if there are people in here who have never put their faith and trust in you, Lord, that they will make you Lord of their lives just like you're Lord of the Sabbath. Thank you 